the um, instructions for today, which is adding the second foundation of mindfulness of feeling tones, Pali Vedana, which means to feel and to know. And um, it's not like we entirely leave the first foundation of mindfulness. You're welcome to continue with the anchor of the breath or sounds or sensations. But also just bringing into awareness to include that at certain moments there's different feelings that arise as well. Pleasant ones, unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant or neutral. Different feeling tones that also come and go as part of being a human being. And no doubt, as what was brought up yesterday in a question, of course at times there will be more developed feelings such as emotions and thoughts that may arise within awareness as we wander off. And those, of course, are to be acknowledged as part of the practice. But then stirring the rudder, if you will, back to the body with its breath, and being aware at times of the different feeling tones that come and go. But we're going to begin to shine a flashlight, if you will, on the second foundation of mindfulness, feeling tones. And in MBSR and perhaps other mindfulness-based approaches, uh, a close uh, relative of that, in a way, you could say, is drawn from the pleasant and unpleasant calendars that we use in class number two and three in in BSR. So that's drawn from that. Just like from the foundations of mindfulness, we draw draw from that in MBSR classes, the mindfulness of breathing, different sensations. And so the feeling tones are very important, and it's amazing that the Buddha devoted a whole foundation of mindfulness just to feelings themselves. The reason behind that is is that feelings are the precursors to taking things into motion, into reactivity. There is a teaching in Buddhist psychology called paticca samuppada, which means dependent origination. And it's 12 dependent links, each connected to the other in this chain of reactivity. There's the genesis of a particular incident, the feeling that comes from it, and then its subsequent beginning to react, beginning to get engaged, and and so forth. Early in that reactive cycle are feelings. It is said that the feelings come a little bit prior to um, the thoughts and emotions. And so we can say that the feeling tones, what separates them from thoughts and emotions is, is that it doesn't include our history. Our history is our interpretation and our reaction and the stories, the narratives. But on, in feeling tones, there's a certain immediacy. So, for example, um, we have a, a niece 
that's three years old now, but when she was learning to take in solid food, it was beautiful to see the immediacy of her reaction. So for example, if we had a spoon with a little bit of berries on it and put it in her mouth, it's like, mmm. And if it was like some mashed peas, and so that, And she didn't have any history about peas or berries before that. There's this kind of an immediacy. And so the feeling tones point to that immediacy. There's a eh. Sometimes I almost like to say it's beyond language. Like you could say the feeling tones are, the pleasant feeling is a mmm, and the unpleasant feeling is a eh. It, feeling that's neither pleasant or unpleasant is like a eh. And so that, that could really be the instructions. Mmm, eh, mmm. And so you'll, you'll see as you sit with yourself, these things arise. There's something that, mmm, mmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, uh, and, uh. and as we sit, these things come. Now, of course, they very quickly can get intertwined with our history, with our thoughts and emotions, which is natural, because you can say, in some ways, these four foundations are interrelated. And, and what we're doing here is we're kind of shining a flashlight on each one to see it a little bit brighter. But of course it is so interconnected with our thoughts, emotions, our history, and so forth. But it's to be mindful of these gut feelings. The reason behind this is if we can recognize this gut feeling sooner, we may be able to circumvent a whole cascade of suffering. This is really important. If we can catch it, so we have a, a colloquial saying that you, um, you, it's sometimes called nip it in the bud, or you know, you catch it when it's a snowball before it becomes an avalanche. So these feeling tones are, are immediate type of gut reactions, and of course, intertwined with our history and our story, we go off and running and create trilogies, epic proportions. <laughs> but it begins with these, mm. We can even say this, you know, like here sitting in the retreat, sometimes we might find another person kind of attractive. It's like a, mm. And then the next thing you know, you, you're having babies with them. You've been married 30 years, and there's like a whole story <laughs> happening. So you can see how if it's unaware, it can lead to all of this. Or maybe there's a person that's breathing too loud nearby you, and it's like you're going to kill them. And there's a, whole, like, there's a whole other opposite side. We sometimes call that the Vipassana Vendetta. <laughs> and of course, the one that's uh, really appealing is the Vipassana Romance. We actually never even had a conversation with this person, but we're already married to them. <laughs> so you can see how that these pleasant or unpleasant feeling tones begin to get intermeshed with our history, with our thoughts, with our emotions, and, and we take them and off we go into <laughs> epic novels. But if we catch them soon, we can, as we say, nip it in the bud. My teacher, Tampulu Siero, used to give a very practical and beautifully simple definition of this 
kind of imposing words, dependent origination. Like, what the heck does that mean? But dependent origination is speaking about the cycle of suffering. And what he would say is that if you know, and that is K-N-O-W, if you know, you can break the cycle. If you don't know, you will go around and around. This is dependent origination. So if you know, you can break the cycle. In other words, if you know that you're getting activated and you can actually be aware of it on the immediacy of the unpleasant or the pleasant or whatever it is, and you're aware of it and you acknowledge it, you can begin to break that cycle of it following along and gathering momentum and creating whole stories and novels. So if you know, you can begin to break that cycle. But if you don't know, you will go around and around. You just keep on fueling it and reacting to it and fueling it and so forth, and it just goes around and around and around. So if you know, you can begin to break the cycle. So an example of that is a, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, she once ordered some tickets at a Shakespeare play, and it was a on will call, which means that you order it and you pick it up at the playhouse. So she brought a, a fellow friend who was also a meditator, and they were happy to go see this Shakespeare play. And they went to the clerk and said we, they'd ordered the tickets online, and they've come to pick them up. And the clerk looked in a particular place and said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I don't see them. And she said, what? So I don't see them. And, and then she's starting to get a little flustered. And, and the clerk said, well, wait a minute. Um, let me go check over in another place. Meanwhile, uh, her friend said to her, hey, Mary, it looks like you're having an unpleasant feeling, too. <laughs> and um, it's a good thing Mary didn't punch her in the nose. But she had enough wits about her to say, you know what? You're right. I do have an unpleasant feeling tone. Let me just stay with it here rather than dancing through the story that they may or may not have it, and then what am I going to do, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to call the manager, I'm going to stop the play. I mean, like it just goes on and on and on. So there you go. So you can see how that unpleasant led to <laughs> But if you catch it early, okay, wait a minute, it's unpleasant. Let me just sit, let me just breathe, let me just acknowledge. So they just kind of paused. And then the clerk came back a few minutes later and said, oh, I found your tickets over here. It was a beautiful teaching story. And we all can relate to that, seeing how we begin to jump ahead and what we're going to do, the approach of our attack. And, but we don't know. Can I begin to catch it sooner? Now, as far as catching it, we may catch it at any point. It might, only, it might even be a week later after you reacted on something that you realize, oh, wow. I had this unpleasant feeling tone, and I really went to the races with this, if you will. Even that is a learning. But as we sit with ourselves today, we no doubt at various times will have these pleasant feelings arise, unpleasant feelings, neutral feelings, and our practice is to become aware of these. And we might begin to see, and maybe perhaps we become aware way down the cycle of our reactivity and realize, wow, it began with that unpleasant feeling and now I'm in the courthouse. <laughs> but you, you'll see that, like, oh, it began there. So even then, there's, there's deep learning. <coughs> but the immediacy of the feelings 
I'm always reminded of our dog, Zoe. And uh, through the years, my wife and I have done a lot of traveling. And it's interesting, whenever she sees that suitcase rolling out, she kind of puts her head in between her paws. It's like, oh shit, they're going away again. <laughs> Unpleasant feeling town. So it's interesting, even our animal world can begin to show us and reveal to us these teachings. And of course, if she sees me putting on my shoes, she begins to think that we're going to be going on a W-A-L-K, <laughs> a walk. And I am so excited, I can barely stand it. I just, I'm going to go for a walk. Oh, my gosh. So you can see there's a very pleasant feeling tone. And then there's other times we're doing something in the house, and she's just like somewhere, and like she could care less. Like, eh, I don't know, you know, whatever. And so there's more of a, a neutral type of feeling. And so as we sit with ourselves, just opening up that lens of awareness to include these feeling tones that kind of like weather systems that come in and go out, like the Irish, Irish weather. And so it's helpful as we do this practice to continue to be grounded in the body this fathom lung body, breathing or sounds or sensations. And no doubt there'll be times when our concentration lessens and something else begins to, what was in the background comes into the foreground, if you will, and it's like, oh, there's a pleasant feeling there. And just to know it, ah, here's pleasant. Or here, conversely, is an unpleasant feeling. And just to name it, to acknowledge it, and you're in no denial of it. Watch the mind's tendency to begin to feed upon it, begin to react to it. But then you see that reaction and come back again. Okay, this is just unpleasant to know it, to experience it. Or pleasant, reaching out, a sense of going for it, delighting in it. And so just to be aware, to know that these feelings, they come and they go. Just like the breath comes in and goes out. The sounds rise and pass away. The sensations <coughs> appear and gradually they fade. It's very interesting, this changing nature of things. Sometimes, no doubt, it's fun to scratch an itch because it's so compelling. And it's interesting to stay with an itch and to weather it and to be aware of it and watch the compellingness to want to scratch it. And, and gradually, um, it goes away and it's not so compelling. Or an ache or a pain that I ride the waves of its sensation rather than moving. Though at times it might be very helpful to move, and at times it might be very relieving to scratch. It's not like it's against the meditation law to scratch or to move. But what we would say is to scratch mindfully. Uh, feel the pleasant feeling tone of that. So there's, there's no denial here. There's full awareness or 
shifting and moving the body mindfully. And then we begin to develop the seamlessness, the continuity of mindfulness in everything we do. So let's just continue on being present, anchoring into the body, but being aware times off into some pleasant feelings or unpleasant ones or more neutral ones, and these are to be known. And even if you, again, if you don't catch the immediacy of it and you're quite a ways down the road of reactivity, that's still not a problem. Whenever you become aware even of that reactivity, if you pause for a moment and acknowledge it, you might begin to see and understand more clearly how that was rooted in some type of earlier gut feeling of reaction, of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, and you just took the bait on this and went running. Okay? Carry on. Thank you, and we um, have a few minutes for some, um, any questions or comments related to the instructions, the practice from last night's talk. And, um, and then we'll have a few announcements, and we'll carry on in our day. So the, the question, and please let me know if I didn't get it, hear it correctly, had to do with, uh, this has been happening fairly often of trying to be with the breath or sounds or sensations and then the mind wandering off into some type of a fantasy conversation. Anybody, look around the room when I ask this question. How many of, <laughs> how many of you have had that experience? <laughs> okay, you're in good company. 
And it's actually, on one side, good news that you're actually even aware that you go off. Because most of the time in our day-to-day -day life, we don't even know that we go off because we don't have an orientation point to come back to see where it is that we went off to, because most of the time we're just off. So that's an insight. And this training is manual labor, repetition. Goes off, acknowledging the fantasy, coming back so again and again and again, thousands and thousands of times. And perhaps in time, um, it will begin to settle down. And so one of the qualities that's actually very helpful is the quality of patience and to befriend. That's another beautiful word besides unhurriedness is befriend. And, um, you know, I think as time goes on, as you, and I think for many of us, I'll speak about this tonight, um, you know, when we first come and retreat, our, our minds, I, that's why I, I read that quote last night from Bhante Gunaratana about our minds being a, like a madhouse barreling down the hill, utterly out of control and hopeless. But you're not any crazier than you were yesterday. That's the good, that's the good news. Maybe you just hadn't noticed it so much. And so through this repetition, we gradually begin to settle. And so may, may there be patience, may you acknowledge. And you know, if it's particularly something that's you feeling that has a similar theme to it, you know, there's a couple of approaches. One is, all right, so you're here. Let, let me pause for a moment and investigate into this, feeling into this. And another approach is, wait a minute, I'm not giving consent to this. You're intruding in my space, and I'm not consenting to you, and I'm going back to the breath. So there's different ways to meet and to work with this and, and our own discernment and discrimination of where we move into, where we say this is enough and I'm coming back. So you can play with it. Have fun. <laughs> Cultivating the qualities of patience. Is, is there more of like a dreaminess to that content, or is it something more solid that's familiar with you? No, it's a completely dreamy Yeah. I'm even nervous because I don't know talking about stretching the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, this, this is very common, and sometimes it's put under the category of like, there's an old archaic English term called sloth and torpor uh, of, of kind of like neither here nor there. It's hypnagogic, it's, uh, it's perception and non-perception. And so um, this is very normal when we begin to do practice. And, and many of us might be actually incredibly tired. And until we really begin to stop, we don't even realize how tired we are until we do stop. And so this may be part of that. And I'll speak more about this as well tonight. So um, fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> We're about to take off. <laughs> and um, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Please. Almost go like completely white, and it's like an abstract painting almost. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll kind of snap out of that and go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Meditation. Yeah, there's, um, I, I think in some ways another variation of a similar theme of, um, it's interesting all the different places that we can go as we sit here. <laughs> and so I think that how will, you know, I suggest to work with it, the, the moment you realize you're off in abstract world, you're now aware again. And now at that moment, let me come back. Let me just acknowledge I'm, I'm off in, the, in this world. And, you know, and if it happens a lot, like, huh, I wonder what, does this mean anything to me? Is there something, something that's calling out to you? It may or may not. It may just be static. <laughs> not worthy of, <coughs> of investigating more. So that'll be up to you to decide. But I think um, the moment you realize that you're in the abstraction, you're now back again and returning back. And, and it may not be that you have to try to figure out why it is that I go there and what is it about and, and all those things. It may not be necessary to even go into all of that unless you think there's something there for you, and that will be your own discernment. What do you think? There might be something there. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes there may be. Yeah. Yeah, could I feel into that something there and allow? Thank you. Please. Sometimes today, um, about this, the tone you were talking about. Please repeat that. About the feelings, the tone. Uh huh. When uh, I try to, to feel, I, I kind of uh, have the image of a wall. I'm sorry. I have the image of a wall. A wall. You come into a wall. Yes. Mm. It's, it's, it's here. I go inside. I try to feel or see whatever is saying or mm -hmm. what's there. Mm -hmm. There is not, um, when it's clear, when there are not that many thoughts, it, mm. it feels like, it really feels like I'm hitting a wall. Uh-huh. So there's something about when I'm going into my practice, there's times where I feel like I'm hitting a wall. When, um, so what? So you with the breath, with the sounds, uh, that works. Yeah. Anyway. And then what? So tell me a little bit more about what you do when you begin to become aware of the feeling tones. What happens? I, I think I'm afraid. I I, I just uh, I don't I don't know. I it's I try to see. But it's blo it, I feel kind of blocked. Yeah. Even if it's a pleasant one. It, it's hard for me to actually um, get into my feelings. Yeah. Regular life, mm -hmm. unless they are painful or very Yeah. And so I'm almost sensing that what you're talking about <coughs> may not necessarily be the feeling tones, but certain emotions and feelings. Is that what you're referring to, more your emotions? Because the feeling tones are more like this 
immediacy. Let's say a person nearby is snoring and like getting irritated, so there's a little and so that, that's what we mean by feeling tones. And, and, um, but it sounds to me more like, like the emotional world and coming up against a wall, which definitely can happen. Yeah, yeah. To look into to yeah. realize them. Yeah. And again, sometimes it may be only after the fact that we've been lost in the story of it that we realize, oh, that began with, with an initial feeling and then it led into a whole narrative and story. But one thing that I'll share with you that may be helpful if you are feeling safe and there's this curiosity of wanting to know more and the quality of being safe is very important because as we dive deeper into feelings the safety can support us so I, I say it in this way not wanting to um, for you to discern how safe it is that you feel so, for example, let's say you, your experience is a wall. So our practice would say, all right, here's the wall. Let me feel the wall. Let me op open into the wall. Let me experience wallness. <laughs> there you are. That's what you're feeling. That's what's in direct experience. So could I actually let myself feel the stuckness? Feel the not knowing. And again, this is, this is pretty, you know, moving into it. And so I want to, you know, and I, I want to say this tenderly that just like if it's a very hot day and you want to go <coughs> in the water, <coughs> water to cool off, if the water is very cold, you know, some people just dive straight in. But others like to first dip their pink, little pinky toe in there and dip in and dip out. And then maybe the fingers dip in and dip out. And so maybe there's a quality of acclimation, dipping into the, to the wall, to the stuckness, dipping out, dipping in, dipping out, called this pendulation. And perhaps through this dipping in and dipping out, allowing ourselves to feel the feelings and acknowledging them, um, we might begin to become more acclimated to them. And of course, when we actually turn our attention towards the wall, this is good to know, that it may magnify or amplify. And the reason that there's an amplification or magnification is because I'm actually turning my attention to it fully now. And so there might be at that moment even a more of a contract, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? I gotta turn away. Because, and sometimes that happens, that's part of the feel, because I'm actually beginning to turn into it, and so it might actually feel bigger, that sense of wallness, stuckness. But if we stay there with it and just know, ah, this is part of the territory, allow, acknowledge, we might begin to gently move more in there. And the wall will be your teacher. There's a ruby buried inside that wall. It's making it sound all nice, but it's not so nice. It's not so nice as you're filling into the shit. 
and it's, it's uncomfortable, and so easy does it. But the wall may be a powerful teacher that's revealing more about what, why that is that so, that access into the feelings. I'm going to have to pause here because we have our groups coming up. Um, so a couple of announcements. First of all, for those of you in the back, <laughs> Anna and I were discussing that the back seems to be creeping further and further back, and, which is fine. And some people like to have a little nest, a little monastery and, and <laughs> on the outskirts of civilization. And, and I'm that tendency too. Look, at I got all this room up here. Um, and the reason I'm up here, by the way, is not because I'm the big cheese or whatever, but um, just so that you can see me more since I'm sitting in the teacher's seat. Um, but if you want, you're, there's plenty of real estate, location, location, location <laughs> up here. And if any of you in the back are feeling like you'd like to be closer, please feel free to come up. Actually, I dare you. <laughs> and uh, double dare you. <laughs> and um, we, we understand that there's hair dryers that, um, that, are out, that, are, that are belong to here. And... When you get done using the hair dryer, could you bring it back? Because evidently they only have five. And so if you keep it for the whole time, then, then there's other people not getting it. So when you use your hair dryer, could you kindly put it back? And hopefully if everyone really does that, uh, it'll circulate and you'll be able to get, get your hair dry. And Bob, could I say something? Please. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. So today begins the group practice discussions and tomorrow the individual ones. And I've actually put on the board for today the group practice discussions with people's names on it. There's a group at 11, one at 12, one at 345, and one at 445. Please double check to see what group you're in. And we're going to be in room three, which is you put on your shoes and go down that hallway. I think it's the first door on the left, room number three. And, um, you know, I'm going to attempt to get done on time, but if the door's not open, the second group can kindly wait until we get done, and, and um, then you come on in. I had to make one change, and Bruno, um, if you could come to the second group rather than the first that would be helpful because there's a couple people that were on the list that actually um, I didn't. I wrote the list out and, real, uh, and found out later that they weren't able to come to the retreat, and so this will kind of balance out the group. So, Bruno, you'll be in the 12 o'clock rather than the 11. I also wrote that on there. The purpose of the group practice discussions as well as the individual ones is an opportunity to check in about how the practice is going, what are you learning, any questions, any um, challenges. And it's not an interview nor a final exam. <laughs> you're, you've already been hired and you got an A+. <laughs> and 
there may be, you know, you may or may not want to do this uh, as far as planning what it is that you're going to say, rehearsing, and then after seeing, coming, then rehashing. Um, I, I just want to support you to let's just be fresh and see what's alive in the moment. And because um, sometimes it can be a lot of mental energy rehearsing about what is it I'm going to say and write down notes. And I, I just want to, you know, may I want to support you that it, this is not a job interview. You're already hired. And let's just have a time just to connect, to say hello and to hear how it's going. In order to support this, um, well, I'm in with the groups. The retreat continues to happen with the schedule. And it's very important that we attend and not come and go. And there'll be sit leaders that will ring the bells and other people will uh, call the, ring the bell to call us back from walking meditation. But the retreat is happening in the schedule that we're following. And it takes a village to support this. And so we really want, when, when I'm not here, that please come to the meditation, stay the whole time, unless you know, there's an urgent bathroom need. And of course, for anyone can get up at any time for that. But to really stay for the whole meditation so there's not a lot of coming and going out the doors. And even with the door, if you're going in and out, Opening and closing that door is a mindfulness practice. Not just letting it slam. Try to be attentive, even with the door, particularly because we're holding a space here and practicing. So there's a whole bunch of bell ringer volunteers. So I, I trust that many of you have looked at what time your group is. And so at any given point today, there'll be around 10 people less for a sit. And um, Anne may come and sit on some of the groups as well, and so she, she won't be ringing the bell. So I want to have, have some volunteers, and we'll do this each day to help ring bells. So after um, later in the afternoon, early evening, I will put up the individual practice discussions for tomorrow. Each evening, I'll put up for the next day. And um, so for right now, um, we're going to be entering into a walking meditation, and then we'll need a bell ringer at five minutes before the next sit. So that's at 11.10 to ring the bell outside to call us back to the sit. So I need a bell ringer for today at 11.10, and the bell is up here. And there's a clock over here as well as a clock there. So I need a hand raise for 11.10. Thank you so much. And then... You're, you're ringing the bell to call them back into the sit, and then we'll be sitting and meditating till noon. And so we'll need someone. You're welcome to come and sit in the teacher's seat. Great view, I'll tell you. <laughs> or if, if it's like, no, no way, you can bring the clock and the bell to wherever you're sitting, and you ring the bell at noon to end the sit, and people will love you because you're ending the meditation. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite thing early on in my meditation. Whenever the bell rang, I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. The end, the end of suffering right there. <laughs> thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.